Hello, everybody. This is Erica. This is Shari. And this is April. And you are now listening to Three Sykes and a Mic. Just as a disclaimer, although the contents of this show may be educational and therapeutic in nature, this should not be considered a replacement for therapy with a licensed professional. If you would like more information on how you can find a therapist in your area, please contact us on social media. All right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back again to another episode of Three Psychs and a Mic. What's up? Uh, How's everybody doing? Doing all right. We good. Awesome. Well, today we are going to be four psychs and a mic because we have the wonderful, awesome, and bestest of the best psychologist, Dr. Napoleon Wells, who will be riding with us throughout the show. Hey, how's everybody? Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Great rising. Oh awesome. Lord. <laughs> it's about to be an excellent episode. If y'all understood the energy prior to hitting record, you would know that it's about to be a good one. So stay tuned. Listen in. Um, how's everybody? So I already asked everybody how they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's been a good week. It was a good, this week was a good week. You know, I had a break in the middle of the week in celebration mm-hmm. of Veterans Day. And mm-hmm. so it's like that mm-hmm. midweek break. I feel like we should have a midweek break every week, I felt more energized (laughs) and more productive. I'm trying to tell you, it makes the second half of the week just that much greater when you can recharge right there in the middle of the week. Interesting. You know what? I never thought Mm -hmm. about like Monday, when uh, Monday, Tuesday, break on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday kind of week and still have Saturday, Sunday. That, that does make sense when you think about it. That is not the American way. So we shall never. I know, right? (laughs) The American way has nothing to do with rest. Yeah. Our notion of productivity is not about resting. Not at all. Good point. How do you justify the air you breathe in the United States talking about resting midweek? Exactly. I don't know. We shall not. <laughs> it was nice. It was we shall nice, not. though. So I had a pretty good week. Awesome. Good. How about you, April? It's been busy. I'm ready ready for the, the breaks. It is yeah. busy. So yeah. it's, it's pretty much the, every week is the same at this point. That is the, the, running, the running theme for you. <laughs> yeah. At this point of the year, it's like, all right, rinse and repeat and do it over again. So mm-hmm. we... Those in the higher ed world, we're just waiting for December at this point. Yes, that is so true. So true. How about you, Napoleon? Um, Week was solid. I recently transitioned from university life back over to federal work. Mm. So, I mean, that's been a bit of an interesting transition. I I was, I guess, in some way, always kind of doing a bit of both. Mm -hmm. Um, But now back to the federal side full time. Uh, So kind of wrapping my mind around again what that is like being in the office more full time mm-hmm. um i mean i start trouble all of the time so being <laughs> back in the office and being able to do so uh, that energizes me <laughs> in a way so yeah i guess it was a it was a solid week had a, a lot of good meaningful conversations even had a kind of troubling one before coming on with you guys so, oh, on a sunday um, i imagine i'll process right. Yeah, listen, when you are working on certain projects with our neighbors, especially when they live overseas, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. this one was with a collaborator who was over in Scotland, who I think has expectations of what it is like to work with folks who are over here and they're trying to save us in many ways. And I'm like, man, listen, I don't, I don't even understand how black folks over in other parts of the world, like, t- yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk after. We'll build after. We'll build after. <laughs> that sounds like a lot going on. It definitely does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, yeah. y'all, I have a question of the week. And it's funny because Erica and I were talking about this earlier, um, <laughs> earlier in the week. But it made me think about this question that I would like to hear. And, you know, at some point I want listeners to, like, answer these questions too. But... What is a guilty pleasure that you have that you're ashamed to tell other people that you really enjoy? None. None of my pleasures are, are associated with guilt. No. <laughs> if I enjoy it, yeah, no, that, that stage of life is over. Um, yeah. If it's a pleasure, it shouldn't be guilty unless you're like hurting another person. But So yeah. it came up because... <laughs> 
it was Friday and I have a I have a meal that I don't have very often, you know, but sometimes I, I just it's not chitlins, <laughs> not chitlins. but some okay. but some people might equate this to just as bad. But I just had to have some Captain D's fish. Oh, Captain D's is good. And you know, again, no I feel like this is where you know I keep my I keep my ghetto in my pocket and pull it out sometimes because I I I, I consider Captain D's like you 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 already know like you ain't going to get no roof that ain't fish fish for real for real like it's a <laughs> it's a compilation a compilation that they have fish. mashed together fried it but it's so good um so and good. i just had to have it i had to have it. yeah so yeah captain d is definitely mine. one of mine another one of mine is hobby lobby that i just can't give up I know I need to give up mm-hmm. Hobby Lobby just because of their okay. practices, you know, the things that they stand yeah. for, the things they don't stand for, their the health insurance that they that they don't offer their employees, like all of those different things. I know, you know, I, I want to stand behind and say, like, no, Hobby Lobby, you cannot, you know, stand up against some of these things and in, in, in human rights and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I just love their decorations. <laughs> like, it's so cute. Every time I go in there, I, I'm just attracted. I'll drive to the <laughs> other side of town for Hobby Lobby. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't ride for black people, but I love I... your holiday collection. You are so toxically hateful in your quiet moments, but out loud, you're out loud right. life. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Super toxic, but I just can't stop. I can't stop it, you know? So that's my little guilty pleasure, you know? I, it, it brings me so much joy. But sometimes I just really don't want to tell people. They'll be like, where you get that from? Well, you know, um, the craft I think store? I got it from one of those craft stores. You know, home goods, where they carry out the home goods. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Got people walking around mm-hmm. at home because no one's getting no, done well. Couldn't well. Good and well. Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And nobody else has a guilty pleasure? None of my, I, I reject um, the notion of guilty pleasures. Well, what's your I'm pleasure? You. <laughs> oh, what's your pleasure? Yeah. Oh, well, y'all, I've talked about my pleasures all the time. Oh, here, food, mm-hmm. um, right. shopping. I just, yeah, I don't feel guilt about if i'm gonna feel guilty about anything it may be like i probably don't need to be spending it but not about Mm -hmm. the actual Mm -hmm. like because if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it like we're not Mm -hmm. doing that whole shame thing i I don't feel ashamed about it it's just one of those things where i just be like i'm not you know what the reaction of some people's gonna be when you tell them I'm not about I just to, don't it's care. Not about to be all in my stories, you know. Like I'm not gonna no. be like, oh, let me tell you what I just did today. I mean, I I would say the only thing that emerges to that level for me, like I proactively schedule trips to the strip club. Yeah, I and knew during you was a pandemic, say that. I, but you know, but you I know, know you've you know, known me yeah. for years. You know me and my wife. Like we regularly, we are like when we're going, <laughs> who we going to see. How many we hit in same night? How many singles we yes. take? Like, she and I, are, I think, are very involved in that process. And she is, I think, in many ways, when I'm preparing for it, she knows it's a guilty <laughs> pleasure of mine and joins in and we enjoy it with one another. But there are many people who, I think, understanding me on an academic and professional level mm. are still like, well, Napoleon, you need to to explain to yeah, me what, yeah. and I'm like, listen, man, it's and beautiful, naked as black women, and I only go to black strip clubs. I'm I don't feel guilty about sexualizing sisters in that way because I have a balanced point of view of sisters going the other way, and I meet in the middle and express that. I'm going home with the woman I love, taking her clothes off for more of that when we get <laughs> folks struggle with it. People do you know, but they I struggle don't. with the duality. I absolutely do not. Yeah, they do. Let me and tell you. I'm so here a with part you. Of what, what I do, I'm like, you want fully realized people, I try to be that. You know, so I'm just gonna 
try and share as much of myself with people in that way. I don't feel guilty about it, but I say that's the one that yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense to the surface. Yeah. I want to join in with you, but my godson, mm-hmm. I mean, excuse me, my stepson has been sharing this podcast with my mother-in-law, so I'm <laughs> okay, a, okay. I'm a refrain, but we gonna talk. The fact that not we'll only talk, is we'll he talk. listening, but he is he is listening, yes. like, rate, and subscribe. <laughs> grandma, gotcha. go ahead, dear. Grandma, listen to the mm-hmm. show. I appreciate the support, listen. honey. Strip mm-hmm. clubs ain't that new. Grandma know about strip clubs. Yeah. She, does. Don't she, she does. But I'm gonna need I'm gonna need my twelve year old stepson to not learn additional that his stepmom like strip clubs. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful opportunity for a conversation. Listen, I talk I talk to my son about yams all the not time. Yams. So oh, I'm boy. I'm sure like we're gonna have a real comp. Yeah. There's actually Again. a couple on Instagram. They are adult mm-hmm. film stars, um, mm-hmm. husband and wife. And Mm. they have, I mean, their kids know what they do. They have a whole Mm -hmm. series called Porn and Parenting where they do like Mm -hmm. sex positive, um, like helping parents talk to their kids about like sex and sex work and like to try to take the like, oh my God, you know. You think they'll, look, I'm over here with my working mind. Like uh, we may hit them up, see if they're a guest on the show. That would be very interesting. That would be be because the level of discomfort, many fully functioning adults in our community still have discussing their pleasure, Mm -hmm. discussing their body, discussing their insecurities, like literally just in a public space, asserting themselves. Yeah. I mean, I had the experience with my son who was 13 not long ago. He is around a number of brothers, like my friends, Mm -hmm. my brother-in-law, myself, and he raised this question about what kind of man he's going to be. Cause he's like, you know, dad, I just don't love like, but as much as you do and we're black. And is that going to be a problem? He was dead serious. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, we got to talk. <laughs> we absolutely have to talk. Like this couldn't have come from us. But even in sharing that with other people, a number of families are like, well, at that age, I don't know, man, listen, you better start early. You want to create comfort in any practice. Start as early as you for sure. Move that forward. makes sense. Well, idea for another show. Most Down certainly. the road, they're they are they're very popular, so they right. probably have to cut a check to get. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Mm. They're good, mm-hmm. but they I mean mm-hmm. they discuss a lot of stuff of the racism in porn industry and all mm-hmm. of that. But mm-hmm. any but really cool, uh, really cool couple. Um. So yeah, future episode. Be on the lookout. Possibly put it out. Put it out in the atmosphere. See what happens. Hey, that might be a good Valentine's uh, month Mm. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Napoleon said no. No. Anytime, anytime is a good time to talk about sex positivity. Mm. Is it? it? Well, I meant like month. I won't say anytime. Like if I'm taking communion, I don't need to. Yeah. Top five bookmarks, but you know we don't have to wait till <laughs> not during communion. You know, I just like, thought you know we could have a whole theme a month. Like, you look know. what I found last night. Did you know this was a category? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Might not need to share. Lord. Not at that time. I support this your decision, but I I don't need to know that. Most times, just, maybe we should right. not from any. Right. We should change it to most times. A lot of there times, all sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. uh so if you have not picked up on the extra deep voice on the call we do have uh dr wells here who um is going to join us in a very important conversation um unpacking discussing analyzing the hot boxing episode with mike tyson and boosie yeah, yeah, um, this yeah. Came, very fascinating yeah, episode. this came out mm-hmm. what maybe two or three weeks ago um, actually, you know what? I don't know when it came out. I just know when it hit the timeline. And I have, mm-hmm. I was just fascinated and texting and sending a link to everybody, especially my friends in mental health to see, have you all seen this? Like, this is amazing on so many levels. So we wanted to talk about it and definitely wanted to bring the male, black male perspective as we discuss mm-hmm. it. Um, so I guess my question to everyone, what was your immediate thought? Like, if you had to just give us a summation of your immediate reaction when you watched it? My first, my immediate reaction, I guess my summative reaction throughout the entire interview as I was listening was just the raw honesty of Mike Tyson and just the sharing and being a, and his awareness mm. 
of who he is and his willingness to just be very direct and honest with another black man. Um, it was just refreshing. It's just something that I, I don't, I don't think I've witnessed before. And so um, that was very, I was taken by that. Um, just that exchange yeah. and how just, it was just raw and honest and just real. And I just, I don't think I've ever witnessed that authenticity and that vulnerability between two black men in a room before. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, and, and very related to that, Erica, was Mike Tyson's use of himself as the instrument in the room, right? And so, yeah. like how, like you said, honest and just authentic he was throughout the full episode and how he played the persona of Mike Tyson and how he said okay that brought you here but I'm gonna be me while you're here and I'm gonna be myself and and let you see pieces of that you know kind of behind the curtain which Mm -hmm. you know we often don't get to see from celebrities um of his magnitude and so that was striking to me yeah so um similar to what Erica said I think for me it was the vulnerability and the honesty um, not necessarily from Boosie, but more so from Mike. And I just, right. I, I kept reflecting on like, this man has done some work and his talk about his demons, I think is what really, mm. uh, stood out to me. So yeah, I was, I was touched by his open, openness and vulnerability in, um, not contrast, but kind of like juxt- juxtaposed against him as this figure of, you know, one of these strong, like when you think of masculinity, Mike Tyson is that and so mm-hmm. him talking and even you could see Boosie struggling with you know his version or his image of Mike Tyson what, versus what Mike was actually telling him like you could see him kept he was struggling with that so I just appreciated being able to witness everything that was going on like I have never been able to see anything like that um, especially from just a clinical lens it was mm-hmm. just amazing what about mm-hmm. you um, Napoleon um, it was interesting to me. I mean, fascinating, I think, is one word. But for me, in many ways, I was like, oh, yeah, that's familiar in that I've been present for those conversations. Mm-hmm. And I was curious to see that Mike was able to create that atmosphere yeah. between himself and between a brother he doesn't know very well. Because I've been present for those. And very often what happens is a very small group of brothers will kind of close the curtains around ourselves and you'll usually have one who is in a relative power position who will kind of be like oh nah let me yo let me tell you how I'm struggling with this thing and what it then does is kind of turns the volume up for everyone to be able to listen here and then very slowly jump in I think it's interesting you have someone like Mike Tyson who in that conversation, just kind of kept coming back to, bro, there's just no way to lie to me. You don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. And that's when those conversations are powerful, often in shared space, you know, and I don't just mean, you know, male and female yeah, shared yeah. space. You'll have brothers kind of stop and say, okay, what about this is going to get me canceled either here or when sisters return to their company and they're kind of like, let me tell you what this nigga was saying. So fuck him mm-hmm. and we're going to cancel him you know and, and we're going to go about systematically assassinating him in terms of character and there's that kind of grand threat that exists in many brothers heads I mean it's never happened to me per- well I guess I wouldn't know if it's happened to me in some ways <laughs> but it's never been brought to me that it has happened right and Mike represented for me a very messy very actualized version of a brother who has been by those very small but close groups of brothers who have said, no, nah, Mike, whatever mess you are, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Just like put that on the floor and then had it reflected back to him and affirmed. And you can see that sure. he's kind of grown this understanding of himself. The part, the piece that he kept coming back to him directly saying like, brother, we don't really love ourselves. That's what we do. Like, yeah. how do we, and, and that is something that, should be shared more. It isn't verbalized so openly, but it's critical that there's so many brothers who mm-hmm. live with that every day and breathe that mm-hmm. air. The themes that kept coming up for me 
is identity, like self-identity and self-love. Like the very first question Mm -hmm. that he asked, which I think is one of the most powerful questions, and it kind of set the tone, was who are you? You know, and Boosie was like, I mean, he paused. Like, what you what you mean? Like, anybody ever (laughs) asked me that? I'm Boosie. You know me. I'm Boosie. Right. And he was he kept going back to like I'm a and he was like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't mean who is the 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 character or the persona. Like, who are you? You know. And I felt like it was a very it was a struggle. And I I not I'm not sure that I felt like. Bootsy ever was able to really answer that, which I I think if you haven't really taken the time to really explore that, that's going to be something that he's going to have to like really sit with, I think, to be able to answer that. I think that, like you said, April, like it's clear that Mike Tyson has been doing work like he has gotten to the point where he can answer that question. But I love that the seed was planted for Bootsy to start thinking about that from a you know outside of this this person that I've created to who am I really and where did that come from um and how did I get here like what has what makes me the me that people don't see and don't know versus this persona that I have but he struggled if if I I think it was interesting to me what I kept doing was looking at Boosie as he was leaning forward and listening to Mike. And Boosie had an answer. He had an answer that he was going to start with. And I honestly feel that had it been him and Mike and maybe no camera, Mm. he would have tripped and stumbled through an answer and let Mike pick him up. And to be clear, Mike was standing there with his hands out, emotionally like, brother, I will catch you as you are about to fall. But being next to his bro, who has since been murdered, like you think about. Oh, that. whoa, like whoa! That go is... back, go back, go back. What? That that man yeah, has Mo. been murdered. Yeah, Mo three was wow. murdered. What? No, well, first I yeah. didn't even know who he was until that interview. But what? Yeah, yeah, he was. And then was wasn't Boosie involved in a shooting this like last night in Dallas? I think they said his car was it's shot. It's entirely up. possible. I don't. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm, fair, I'm fairly certain I'm all three was murdered in Dallas. Am I correct about Four that? days ago. Yeah. Shot so I am correct kid. about yeah. that, yes. Yeah. Wow. No, um, and they shot damn. his car in Dallas last night. So I mean there's a there's clearly a war that is being I mean, I don't want to get too far for what we're talking about. Twenty twenty has been a brutal year in and around those who are our supposed celebrity voices. But I think a part of what is challenging for Boosie to walk back from that a lot of brothers have trouble walking back from is the version of ourselves that our family, community, and society most regularly loves on. Mm -hmm. And Boosie has been loved on for having a very fractured voice that unfortunately feels familiar. All right. And there's no real accountability. As long as he projects something, that's what Boosie is supposed to do. And there is Mike Tyson in fact, saying like, no, nah, man, there's a, a, a very quiet portion of yourself that you spend time in the mirror with, that you in quiet moments struggle with. I know that that brother's there because it's that version of you that projects this desire to be strong and powerful. I know what drives it. Tell me about yours. And yeah, there was just no way in that space Boosie was going to even begin to a part of that being he talked about how his mother came at him and how this came at him when he did decide to run his mouth. So he was like, nah, Mike, (laughs) nah, nah, Mike, I can give you a little bit. And he walked in thinking no matter what I say, Mike is probably going to make a platform for it. And you could tell he was slightly unsettled with Mike basically being like, nah, nah, there's a real low version of you that Mm -hmm. made that Mm -hmm. and you can kind of vibrate higher. Yeah. from that space but let's talk about that one like amazing amazing conversation yeah it's interesting you brought up the friend because I found myself getting a little frustrated with the friend's reactions throughout par- portions of the um the interview like he was laughing mm-hmm. and I knew what the laughter was from like I you know that, that, was that uncomfort. Yeah. yeah but it was mm-hmm. like stop it because you could like you could see Boosie like almost and then his friend would laugh and then he he'd was go comfort in that yeah mm-hmm. he'd go right back and yeah. I'm just like uh but um 
what I found, like a couple things that stood out to me or just made me think was just how traditional therapy, you, you have to be willing to go away from that when working with certain populations, specifically with black men mm-hmm. and how, you know, the CBTs and the, you know, interpersonal theories of the world may not necessarily work with in that same capacity. So being able mm-hmm. to, um, to, because I just was thinking like, okay, so if Lucy were to walk into, you know, your traditional therapist or psychologist's office who was coming from a frame mm-hmm. of Carl Rogers or, mm-hmm. you know, Beck, it's not going to work. Like, that's not going to work with him. Um, so it made me also think about just a lack of men, of male therapists and male psychologists who can, because I don't know if he would have respected or because it was respect and deference in that room if he mm-hmm. would have given the same to a clinician right so like being able to even look at therapy in in unconventional ways i think was one thing that i got out of it and then kind of a sad piece for me is that i just felt like this is not going to change boosie because he's going to go right back into his same environment now if he had like two weeks three weeks to just sit and and kind of be in solace and and work on this stuff yes but you could kind of even see in the room that his persona is needed like other people's survival all are there is based on boosie being boosie and if he were to let go of that image that's going to come with the loss that i don't know he's at that place that he's ready or the people around him are even going to allow and i think that was the sadness i felt but the the bittersweet part of it was the amount of people, especially men, um, in my circle who got something out of it. So like mm-hmm. it may not even be his healing that is a result, but the other people that were able to find healing and that were able to connect as a result of watching that. It's interesting. Um one the other one of the parts that also was interesting to me was when they were talking about um relinquishing your control and who who mm-hmm. um who do you give your power to i think is is the the way that it was phrased and um you know talking mm-hmm. about you have this this idea that you are you know you have the power and you have the control you like to act the fool because people respond to you and it lets you know that you control their emotions and their behaviors but you don't realize that you give your power away daily all the time and where are you giving your power away to? And I love that he challenged him on that idea when he was saying, well, who do you give your power to? And he gave his own examples, which I loved, you know, because I feel like he often normalized using his own life as an example to kind of, I think, help Boosie say hey look you're you're saying I'm a legend I'm a king and all this stuff and I'm letting you know these are my things um so you you feel free to kind of share your things but um when he was talking about his assistant and he said you you had to say that this was your assistant to maintain that power to maintain that mm-hmm. sense of power but mm-hmm. this person she has more power and control over your life because she controls more of your life than you do and I thought that was just, a, I thought that was a very powerful um, kind of statement in him kind of highlighting that and showing him what he means by we give our power away. And he said, we black people, we have been enslaved. We are used to giving our power away and not having the power in our lives. So it's so easy for us to relinquish that control. Yeah, I, th- I think what was fascinating to me about it and if we were to create kind of a foundational conversation that would lead to even as april suggested the development of an approach for working with brothers in kind of a therapeutic space mike was having a conversation with boosie where an understanding of self was the goal where so many brothers walk into therapeutic spaces and it's like, well, listen, man, you know, my woman wants me to be better and do this. Uh. And like my church keeps on talking about men have to do this. In a lot of the spaces that we are in as black people and as black men, there's almost an avatar that is created mm. that, you know, folks that want to kind of shove us into as a template and you fit or you don't. And 
most of us, I would suggest, and I suggest it only from conversations and very being in very intimate spaces and even in therapeutic relationships, we don't know how to verbalize how becoming a, the best version of who we see ourselves being is ever the goal. Mm. The therapeutic goal, the life goal is always to be better for the community, mm. to be better mm. for our children, to be better as a dating prospect, to be better so we don't do harm to our family. But there isn't a true concentration on the self. There's think about the version of you now that does all this damage. Think about the version of you that is self-destructive and nihilistic. What was so incredibly powerful about Mike's conversation is he is like, dude, I have spent so much time exploring the self and have met this self. And he almost talked about just kind of this flexibility and understanding himself. I'm, I'm never going to be finished mm-hmm. in any way. I understand how so much of what I am is still who I am and influenced me then and influences me now. Mm-hmm. I think if we come up with a means for having that conversation with Abusi that allows him to, in a very careless, almost, I, I don't want to say in any indulged way, but I think it's the best way to put it to kind of say, look, man, if I were to come up with the best version of myself, here's who I would understand it to be and then try and move him with that understanding, we would touch more people. What is frightening is creating goals for a lot of brothers. And they're like, man, this don't even sound like me. Mm-hmm. This ain't even nothing that I like. I, I can't possibly do this. Like what y'all are asking, I don't know how to do this and don't know if I want it. I think that's where a lot of brothers end up shutting down. And Boosie shielded himself in that way. Like, hey, good for you, Mike. And I'm listening to you. And I even see myself yeah. in some of that. Mm-hmm. But how do you want me to have this conversation you have in being Boosie? Right. right. Which was really interesting that, like you said, Boosie saw that. And he, he at one point he even said, like, Mike is teaching me. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I'm just listening to him, like, keep talking, because he's teaching me. And Mm kind of in this space of, tell me what to do, and I'll do it. You know, Mm -hmm. and and Mike talked about that. He was like, my whole life, I was a computer. People put in an algorithm, do this, fight this person, be mad at this person, be angry at this person. And Mm -hmm. I did it. But until Mm -hmm. he was able to get to a space of saying, what makes me happy? Like me, like, yeah, I fought this guy and I won, but I wasn't happy after that, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I like that thought around like just the self, like, like being able to look into the self and say, what version of that do, what version of self is going to be fulfilling for me, uplifting for me, satisfactory Mm -hmm. for me? And how do I move into that? But that in itself is is a scary journey when you've had your whole life people telling you what to do, right? Mm -hmm. Because because freedom, I often say, you know, people are like, oh, you know, I want freedom, but freedom is frightening. It's it's extremely frightening. Huge responsibility. It's a huge responsibility. You know, and so to have someone walk with you through that journey, I think is really important. I don't even think we know what that looks like. What, the freedom? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's one of those things you don't know until you do it, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, someone can't can't tell you based off of their freedom what your freedom is going to yes, look like. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's more, is one of the, like, you just got to step out and, and struggle with the responsibilities of making the wrong decision or making mm-hmm. the right decision. Right. Um, Napoleon, like I'm, I'm still just like reeling from what you <laughs> informed us a yes. few seconds ago <laughs> and just thinking about it in the grand scope of the conversation that was happening um, during that interview. And then just like the larger meaning of, you know, these up and coming rappers and even just kind of the current state of hip hop and how we are losing so many young yeah. black men to violence. Um, and mm-hmm. someone asked me like, you know, they were listening, I think it was a juice world and, and about his, he talking about his demons. And then there was a, yeah. a rapper out of Chicago that was just killed. And then, I mean, we, in the last two years, we can probably find six and mm-hmm. being able to connect what Mike said in that interview. And then, 
in what a month have two of the people who are on the receiving end victims of gun violence like it's it's crazy and and i don't know i I struggle sometimes with music so with with my dissertation i spent like three and a half years doing a deep dive into hip-hop now granted it was Mm -hmm. looking at it from a body image perspective but having to like Mm -hmm. read lyrics is it mm-hmm. was hard, I'll admit, but also just like looking at the mm-hmm. themes that often emerged and how it shifted throughout the years. Um, and yes, there is no direct correlation between like, oh, if you listen to this music, you're going to be violent. Like, no, like often mm-hmm. is sometimes art imitating life. But I do wonder yeah. that per- going back to that persona, because once you put yourself out as like the big man on the yard who mm-hmm. can't be messed with, that brings a certain amount of energy along with it, it it does yeah there there are responsibilities to it i mean i'm one of those brothers like mike that feels blessed and fortunate to be where i am right you know and to have gotten here like i had this conversation with my son a few years ago i have these literal scars on my body that i had have had to talk to him about and like i'm dr napoleon wells right like this is not a conversation where I'm in my head, like I need to have with everyone, but he's like, what happened to your arm? What happened to your back? And, you know, in the immediate response in my head was like, man, just some old nigga shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, not kid, kid stuff. But the reality is many of us, black and young, like we feel we won those scars because in many instances, there's so much reward that comes from being the individual who would be in the position to win them, right? If I'm in the field, like I'm, I'm from the Bronx growing up and I'm going to school in Brooklyn, but ain't no nigga in Brooklyn getting ready to push me around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the second you bring smoke to me and what became a reality is because I would not have those instances where I knew how to back down, it was rewarded. Uh-huh. and mike talks about the version of himself that was rewarded mm-hmm. was repeatedly fed whatever version of ourselves is fed most emotionally is the one that we're going to give to the public most often and for those of us who don't have the freedom to be 100 different things you can't be a young brother who just wants to pay, play a clarinet and be the best clarinet player on planet earth you're only going to have a handful of people who are going to feed that self uh-huh. But if you decide, you know, you know what, I want to run this block, man. And all four of us here have been in spaces where we have fed versions of brothers who were not more informed selves or pushing for their own Mm -hmm. freedom. We grabbed a convenient one and fed that because it meant something to us. Like, I need this brother out of my back. So this nigga going to have to be stand up and 10 toes down. Mm -hmm. So that's the version of him I'm going to feed. Right. And. Unfortunately, the more we feed those versions, the others don't get sun, they don't get water, they start to die off and weeds grow around them. So we have to do work in order to get back to them. And in many ways, like I think it's community work, like brothers have to do it individually, but even as brothers are working and brothers starting to talk about it, like, yo, man, my mama and my aunt, my sister told me to go to therapy. And then I come out of therapy and I realize, yo, everybody fucked up, man. Folks told me to communicate more, man. You know, so this girl who I just, you know, I'm, I'm dating her and I'm like, yo, listen, you talk to me about being intentional. Like, you know, I'm trying to do this, this, this. And she is like, you talk too much now. <laughs> like, I, this is not, right? I thought you just, like, cared about three things. <laughs> this is, <laughs> right? And so that version of him that is now emerging, that is growing, now there are people like, and not in a toxic way, not feeding it, but they're saying, I don't even have the, I don't have it in the pantry to feed this version. Uh, uh, right? I, I don't know. We are in a space where we can really accommodate the hundred different selves that a number of brothers might bring. Just in your own heads, think about right now, some of the brothers you're close to, if, and freedom is fluid, right? Mm-hmm. It's completely oh, yeah. fluid. It's it, whatever and whoever I am in this space and time on this day. Imagine most of the brothers you were close to, if they were like, no, 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 let me tell you about the full version of myself who I want to be by next week. It's a scary concept. 
Because for many of us, it's like, suppose they don't have room for me in that becoming. Mm -hmm. Or suppose mm -hmm. their expectations of me change in that becoming. You know, if Eric, like Erica is married, imagine your husband becoming fully realized and he's like, huh, so here are these 30 things that I think we've got to work on together. 30 at once. God. <laughs> intimidating. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we would like to think we'd be ready for it, but. No, I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not ready for the becoming that I just want. <laughs> I'm in my own right, right, right. <laughs> of myself. You, you, yeah, you talked about like we have these. Look, this is the three things <laughs> about you. These are the things that I want to feed, and we do. And I did, you know, in listening to this interview, it made me really think about like, well, what am I supporting? You know, about a person that's really not who they are or want to be, or or that is them out of fear of being their actual selves. And it just made me wonder like, ah, oh, God, you know, that was so deep. Cause I was like, I thought about myself and the things that like, and I just had a conversation with a, a, a family friend about like people. And I use it in the context of, you know, the, the racial stuff that's going on. And so I use it in the context of being a black person and saying there is not a level of a white person, I don't care my closeness, our relationship that will actually know me, mm. no matter mm -hmm. how close, no matter how deep that relationship is. For me, I just, I don't believe that there is a, there is a, a white person that will ever get the opportunity to truly be able to know me. And it just made me, you know, because we talk about we wear the mask, but I think we wear masks for so many in, different people. For so many different yeah. people. Yeah. Survival being one. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is something I've been reflecting on um, is who would we be if we were not afraid of how others would respond? Mm -hmm. um, now, that's a question of the week. So. <laughs> Uh, and I started writing, but I stopped because uh, grad school ruined my writing skills. <laughs> um, but just between clients, between people in person life, between even this, just the theme with what we discussed here, how much of our stuckness is a result of how we fear others are going to receive it. And I will say, I, I think what sparked is I did this post about, you know, what would your 15 year old self say to your current self? And I think one of the areas of my own personal growth was to stop caring how other people, what other people thought. Now, of course, there is a level like one, if I care about you, I care what you think. But for the most part, getting to a place where I've become more comfortable with people not liking what I have to say, not liking mm -hmm. what I do, there has been... A liberation in that and it's also very scary at the same time because I am a person who genuinely likes to be liked um, but what I found is that I was sacrificing so much of myself for the sake of what other people thought and, and it's a it's a it's an ongoing thing like it's not I'm not at a point of like you know no f's given like I'm not there but I'm not where I used to be at the same time but even when I think of the stuff that I'm working through with, with my clients or clients in the past, how much of it is centered around how, uh, what other people are going to think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, just where will we be as humans? And there's, there's a part of it that works because we're a social being. So, you know, we social norms are good sometimes, <laughs> but when done to the extreme, they can become toxic and just like, what would Boosie be if he didn't care about his image? But then his image is tied to his bank account. Mm -hmm. And I think what happened with Mike is he realized that bank account wasn't worth his soul mm -hmm. or it was actually killing him. Like he kept talking about how he wanted to die and wanted to die. And I, I see wanted him to kill himself. Yeah. Like, yes. Very, yes. Yeah. Different than wanted to he, die. Yeah. He was going yeah. to kill. He was going and identifying that version was going to end his life. I see what I am yeah. and I'm better off not being. Yeah. Here. Because of God. persona, like so much right. of that was because of what persona, like it killed him almost, right? That is so, so powerful yeah. though to think about, like yeah. literally recognizing who I truly am 
made me mm-hmm. want to take my own life. Mm-hmm. And that's wow. why I think being, like I said, the theme of identity, right? Like, like that question that he even asked Boosie, like, who are you? Like, you can tell that he sat with that. And that question almost to a, to a certain extent, like tormented him. Right. Cause once he started to yeah. get more of that answer, he was like, but this ain't who I've been living as. But he connected that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I was going to say, but he connected that, which I I thought was perfect, was when Bootsy said, well, can you get rid of it? And Mm -hmm. he said, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. The purpose is not to get rid of it. The purpose is to acknowledge that it's there and love Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And 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 yeah. so again it circles all the way back. You know, it's a full circle thing of who are you and can you develop self-love of who you are? Right. Can you love the worst parts of yourself? Worst parts of yourself. Yeah. yeah. There's I think a very difficult question that Mike had to answer for himself because he and Boosie isn't even Mike was a full-on archetype. Like a completely iconic oh, yeah version of this being right you know and very often uh, the space I, I find a lot of especially young brothers when I get knee to knee with them and talk like I try to poke a little bit at that space where they come back to is man I can only be who y'all are going to allow me to be like that's the, that's all I can be because there's no benefit like I may not even live a full life if I try to be the next three things I can see myself attempting to be. I I feel an awakening and I'm not sure whether or not it's going to be killed off or it's going to be ostracized. There is full on fear for a lot of young brothers in reaching over these couple of hats that they believe they can put on with regard to identity and finding other ones, right? Because the safe ones, the ones that are somewhat protected, the ones that are, are somewhat embraced are very easy to access and no that for Boosie I think he's picked one that in front of him is very convenient because we've all seen even what happens when an individual from a shared social space right Boosie is from Louisiana I believe yeah yeah. right so you take someone like Jay Electronica who's also from Louisiana Louisiana barely claims the man Mm -hmm. I didn't know he was from Louisiana. He's uh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So he's from New Orleans, yeah. right? And he's not understood to be from New Orleans or heavily supported by New Orleans, or heavily supported in those spaces because he seems too much like. Mm. And he's been rejected in many instances and doesn't have the same fame or wealth or influence as a Boosie. Mm-hmm. He has it in a different way. A young brother from that same space looking at that. It's like, yo, if I want to walk this path, what am I going to choose? Yeah. Like, wh- where am I going to find kind of the best footing and proceed forward? It takes a lot of courage and bravery to say, all right, let me try and do something else. Let me be something else. Let me, I, I think about my own life, how there were so many examples of young Black professionals who were kind of like, well, be thoughtful, be smart, be aware and you present this. And ultimately I had a decision to make years ago where I was like, how authentic does this feel to me? Especially when I'm working with youth, right? You hear talks that I've been recorded in years ago and you can't even hear my accent because I went out of my way to train it out of myself. And then there was just a point where I was like, yo, fuck out of here, man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are youth who need to see, especially young brothers who need to see and to hear. And to hear from, like the mic gave it to Boosie, like, bro, I know how hard this is. I, I understand how much darkness remains overhead while you are breathing in and out every day. And until you make the active difficult decision to kick walls down around you, you're not going to see sun. And I know how frightening seeing that sun is for you, but just imagine, it's still frightening because you don't know what's on the other side of that wall. And who's gonna join you when you take those steps? For Boosie, he's like, yo, suppose I become more woke and the same women, because there's some bad women around me. How many of them are coming with me if I become woke? Because these woke women, bro, I don't know. I don't know. They got different kind of standards, bro. It may not be the same thing. 
I'm afraid of what's on that other side. Yeah, yeah. There's power there, but what do I have to do to get to? Yeah. And it was interesting because you could see Mike Tyson, like you said, Napoleon extending that bridge mm-hmm. based off of love. Because at one point he mm-hmm. was like, "Brother, I love you," you know. And yes. you could see yeah. Boosie kind of looking like, "Oh, mm-hmm. wait, a, wait a minute. What you, what, you what you mean? I told you what, I was yeah. straight. You know, like where yeah. that's coming from." Is based on some of yeah. what Mike challenged him with earlier. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Boosie was like, he was somewhat he was unsettled. Like, nah, nah, you didn't ask me. He was yeah. posturing about, himself. And because who else would ask Boosie that? Because many people have thought it and said it, but only Mike Tyson could get away with asking. So, like, so even as we're talking about how much Mike challenges, you know, the, his, his archetype and persona, mm-hmm. that persona is also what led Boosie to even be. Exactly. Receptive because yeah. had anybody, right. you know, a Vlad or a complex interview done that, Boosie would have cursed them out, Cut that you know, out. for sure. He would not have even continued. He would have went straight right into yeah. his Boosie right. persona. But because he valued fear Mike Tyson's and persona fear. I mm-hmm. and fear, fear. Mm-hmm. Um, he he didn't push back in a way that he right. would have. So it's like, Which it's a I weird. See. Yeah. It's a weird yeah. dynamic. Cause you can see the benefits of it. Right. So Mike Tyson's standing there offering him this, you know, very complex relationship as a man, you yeah. know, not, not a relationship based off of who you are and what you bring to the table. And it reminds right. me, Napoleon, we did um, our episode 14. When we talked about, mm-hmm. um, the truth about masculinity and one mm-hmm. thing that you said oh, yeah, there yeah. a couple of people gave me the blues behind that episode really yeah, really came for smoke yeah yeah, yeah. wow yeah. about what <laughs> right so, i'm curious uh, uh, april in particular there was a part of the convo we were having and one of the things that i said was like nah if we put women in position where uh, they were accountable yeah. for being the aggressor in relationships now, there were plenty of folks who agreed they were like yo man come on y'all know that we know that but there were others that were like, well, no, I <laughs> I see women now. And I'm like, bro, y'all are unclear on what I'm saying. Yeah. And this is a part of myself that's fully realized. Is I understood some years back, not everybody who is trying to live right and consciously needs to be the hero. Some of us going to have to be the villain. And mm. I just fit the role very well. So I just lean into that. But as I was talking to folks, I didn't want to go away from the idea that, no, listen, Women, I think very often, and again, y'all may come for me for saying this, so just go on ahead and do something. <laughs> Women see their workload differently than men do. So we need to put that out. Yeah. But very often, a woman might say, listen, I call him twice. I don't call nobody that much. <laughs> they would think in their own heads, yeah, do call me twice. Why didn't he call me a third time? Like the same workload. Yeah. But it feels different in, in their own heads. And I was challenging people like, so you're saying that you would approach dudes. Yeah, I'd approach dudes. Tell me about the kind of dudes you would approach. Because men think of the workload differently. Right. If we were to say the workload is fully on women, there are plenty of women who are thinking in their heads like, no, listen, I'll approach dudes. Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah, I'll approach dudes. He has to be. They're going to give themselves these criteria where they never in their actual life. Gonna approach. Can do, no, no, no. I'm going to approach a dude. He's going to have to just be these five things. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. You are literally <laughs> set in a space where bridge can't be built or tiered. So we had that talk briefly, and yeah. now some folks had some questions. I was like, "Man, go ahead with all that. You know, I'm telling the truth." <laughs> line. Not that you wouldn't, but you know, you wouldn't because you couldn't mm-hmm. based sure. on what you would give yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Now, they didn't really want smoke. They they brought it. They brought it to you. <laughs> They did, and I appreciated them for doing so. But the thing that stood out to me during that episode that relates to kind of um, Boosie extend or Mike Tyson extending that bridge or that relationship is you talked about your relationship with the Black Knights and having mm-hmm. like that complicated or learning to have that complicated same sex relationship with mm-hmm. another man and what that looks like. And so, you know, it's just something that stood out in this episode of Mike really extending that to Boosie and just the reactions of Boosie being like, I I kind of want to take a step over that bridge, but I, yeah. I, not right here, not right now. I don't know if I'm ready for that, you know? Yeah, I, I think if we don't create spaces where taking those steps has a landing space that is safe 
ultimately for brother safe and supported. I've seen where when you have safe and supported and you press safe and supported and familiar, mm-hmm. right? I had an older sister when I first started getting out on the circuit and talking to crowds, she pulled me aside and was like, folks love hearing you, but they're going to need to want to talk to you. And I was like, damn, there's a real difference there, right? And you can be on a panel and everybody wants to hear what we're saying, we're all experts, but do they want to have a breakout where they grab you and they talk to you? Yeah. That is when you, and Mike was in a space with him. I was like, I want to talk to him. I don't just want to hear him. Mm-hmm. Safety is in that. Yeah. So I think we, we are at the point where, you know, I want us to think about takeaways. Like what is, what do we think are some of the important, I mean, we've talked about lots of different, you know, great gems from this interview and, um, but what do we think some of our key takeaways is from this interview and just this discussion in general? I think the power of um, iron sharpening iron and make sure that you have people in your sphere, whether that's a mentor, therapist, whatever, who can help you become the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's a concept you often hear in Christianity, the idea of like denying yourself and denying your flesh. Um, and I think for this interview, I thought a, a lot about like the power of denying yourself um, in, in the, basically that persona piece, like getting to the real you, um, denying the pieces of yourself that don't serve you and to, to do that work of evaluating what pieces of you are not serving you. Um, so I think once you do that and then have the people in your life who can help you become and elevate, then you're on the right track. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's real. Um, I think my takeaway is really sitting with that question, like, who are you? Right. And, and what made you who you are? And I, I love this idea, April, of if the world, who would you be if you weren't concerned about what the world thought or the persona that you have to carry to be the person that the world knows, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just really sitting with that, you know, I'm going to sit with that. I think, you know, I'm going to charge others who are listening to sit with that and and to really just kind of ponder on it and think about what that could look like for yourself. I think the part that um that I would like to take away, I want others to take away is the part about getting to the point of, of self-love and self-respect. You can't get there until you are ready to see all of the parts of yourself, the, uh, the, the good, the ugly parts, the, the parts that you're embarrassed about, the parts that you don't understand, the parts that you fear other people will not respect, not love, not like, and getting to a point where you have to recognize who you are and love those things um, in order to then be able to be, I think, more tolerant. Because I feel like part of one of the things that Mike Tyson was trying to get at with Bootsy is being tolerant and respectful of other people. Um, and you, you're you not going to tolerate and respect things in other people that you don't tolerate and respect within yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the major takeaway for me in seeing the two brothers in that very intimate space with each other was myself spending even more time with brothers right where they are. Mm, You know, I mm. think I do sometimes remember to do that. I mean, all of you know me, I advocate for speaking with brothers and not talking at brothers, Mm -hmm. which I think in, you know, our woke world and the world of the woke Olympics, we do too much of like talking at (laughs) brothers and not enough meeting brothers right where they are and challenging them where they are, which, you know, I thought Mike did brilliantly with Boots. Like, nah, 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 man. I heard everything you said. You knew it was wrong, but you know, let's build. I think spending more time just as an example. I had a young brother tell me he loves it most when I'm in sage mode. And... And I'm like, nah, sage mode is powerful as an example, not teacher mode, but like, bro, talk with me here, man. We're just yeah, building yeah. with each other. And I think our, our our folks, brothers and sisters, our community elders, youngsters overall need us, especially, you know, folks like us for here to just go to them mm-hmm. and kind of observe them in their space and live with them. So we're talking with them and just not about. Awesome. Good. Yeah. Good episode, y'all. 
Yeah, Mm -hmm. I encourage everybody to go and if you haven't listened to the interview, listen to the interview and then, you know, we would love to get your feedback um, and hear, you know, what your thoughts are. But we're going to transition into our more lighthearted version or segment of our show. And this is where we um, send out our love or send one our love. And this is where we identify someone, something, some entity um, that has, um, you know, brought something good to our life this week. Um, Because we want to, with all the bad and, you know, rough stuff that's going on in life, we want to make sure that we recognize some of the good. So anybody, and that's just anybody, want to go first with sending someone or something their love? I actually have one. I'm ready today. I'm ready. All right, April. I'm going to combine because if I don't do it, I'm going to forget the second one. Um, So I want to shout out Mary Catherine. Um who sent me a message she said something was on her heart to share with me and the timeliness was just she could have couldn't have known that it was like a time when I was just really struggling with something and she was like God put this on my heart and I just and she sent me a DM and it was like all right God you be listening like you, you 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 be knowing you be knowing um so her words were just were so right on time um, and I also mm-hmm. shout out to my friend Mitch, who shares my love for all dressed potato chips. And he found some <laughs> at the Kroger. You and these and chips. He found some in Smyrna, Georgia, and wiped out their entire wow. stock of milk and, and FedEx some to me. <laughs> so and You said he's your friend? That's your friend? That's a great friend. That's your a friend? friend like no other. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, April and these chips. I just love the people. People, uh, everybody like, keeps like, like April Canadian, chips. like Canadian Aldrich. Yes, they're very. There's a hard chip to... for. Oh my gosh! Yes, they only make them in. No, they. They're don't. making them in the U.S. now. They've been making them in the U.S. Mm-hmm. for a couple of years. Yes, that's it. No, I'm out of here. So I don't have. I don't have guilty pleasures. My pleasures are here, without bro. guilt and without shame. That's hilarious. <laughs> so shout out to them. Oh my God. Well, I want to send my love to super, super duper amazing friend who is sitting here beside me. Y'all can't see her if you're just listening, but came to visit me. Um, Chandra Mena, I should say her name. Send my love out to her. Came to visit me, you know, especially during the time of Corona. You know, it's it's hard to see folks. And so I appreciate that and want to send my love out to her for um, being my friends. One of my oldest friends. We've been friends throughout the yesteryears, right? And so um, thanks for hanging in there with me all these years, because honey. Um, so I appreciate it. I want to send my love to you. And um, yeah, good friendships are hard to find. <laughs> Oh gosh, I I I don't think I well yeah. Let me we gonna go to we gonna go to Napoleon. We gonna circle back. Wait, what was the one? Send, didn't you say send your frustration? You did that once. I yes. did a senior. I just Lord, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to stay away from that. Okay. Uh, um, I got too many. I'm gonna send I'm gonna send love to uh, my close circle of bros, Ghost Town. Um, all doing amazing things, and uh, y'all hold each other accountable um my boy dr christopher emden always doing amazing things like being world famous brother i see you um our partner greg and married looking forward to that day it'll be phenomenal when it comes man just an all-around dope group of brothers man so i appreciate you all um i want to send a little bit of love to vixen the assassin uh women's battle rap doesn't get enough love she is incredible Sister's gorgeous. Like every time she performs, <laughs> she shows us exactly why women are the future of battle rap. Mm, wow. So, uh, Vixen, good work, sister. I saw you get busy yesterday. What's What's the name again? Vixen, Vixen the Assassin Vixen. with two eyes. Okay. Vixen the Assassin. Okay. Where's Vixen. the two eyes? Vixen in the Assassin. The Vixen or yeah, yeah, the yeah, assassin? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. Are the two eyes in the Vixen? In the Vixen. Oh, okay. V I I X E N. Okay. In the Vixen. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So she beat DNA recently, which was a crazy upset. Like the sister's everything. So, I mean, I could beat her, but she's everything. <laughs> I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. Okay. So I have mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would like to send my love out to the Holy Spirit. 
And let me tell you why. <laughs> I have been, I have had the spirit of anger and frustration on me for the past. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a short change it and say two weeks, but it's been around for a minute. And I was doing a deep clean of my house because I get very paranoid around this pandemic and start getting extra with the disinfecting. And I came across a journal that I had that I purchased as a prayer journal. And I opened it up and the first page hit on something that I, and I dated it, that I was dealing with in October of 2017. And it seemed to have circled around because I was dealing with that same frustration now. And I flipped the page in nine days after I had written about the frustration, I wrote where God had answered the prayer, like answered, like, this is what you need to do and told me what I needed to do. Mm. And I was like, ah, he has brought me the answer again. Cause it's the same answer. Cause it always is. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's always me and I'm always doing the same thing. And the Lord's like, girl, I just, I feel like I'm always having to remind you of stuff. <laughs> and he reminded me and it changed my energy that I was putting out. Or at least I'm trying to change my energy. It, it crept back in today after my horrible breakfast experience. But I'm trying to redirect it. Um, but I'm going to send my love out to the Holy Spirit because let me tell you something. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Okay. <laughs> right so on that's time. Right on time. My love. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Well, we have come to the end of another episode. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Wells, the greatest psychologist. No I love you folks. I know you're mm-hmm. going by the greatest psychologist on the planet. Yeah, the best, the psychologist, best psychologist in the world. Best yeah. psychologist in the world. Yeah, the best psychologist in the world. Okay. Yeah, great, great leaves room for all of us. I'm okay. just the best. Oh, oh. All of us great. You understand? You know what? We are all allowed oh. our own truth. This is what we I'm saying. Allowed. I'm looking at some. I'm looking at some of the greatest right here with me. I just happen to be the you best. You just happen to be the best. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm glad you reframed that. You reframed that because yeah. I was like, I'm feeling some type of way as a psychologist <laughs> giving Shara, somebody you've else. Been, you've been in the field. With, you understand? <laughs> we know how it goes. But I certainly appreciate you for being on this episode. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. you. Know. Quite well. I love being with you folks. Definitely. Always. Love the tribe. So thank y'all for listening to another episode. Um, feel free to share this episode with your friends, your family, your enemies, and everyone in between. Uh, we appreciate you. You can always find us on any platform where you listen to your podcast. Um, you can always find us also on Instagram and Facebook. Um, handle is three sykes and a mic and if you'd like to email us with a question or a comment or a response to any episode feel free to find us on three sykes and a mic at gmail.com and as always comment subscribe as you're listening and with that we are out yes bye y'all thank you Holla.